What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. This is a portion of our worship experience where we open up the Bible because that's, that's what we need. We need the Word of God in our life. Uh, we believe that the Word of God is our source of truth. And, uh, and, and that's actually pretty, pretty refreshing because then we don't have to rely on ourselves to figure out our version of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means that he's leading us into something through faith in him that we can't do on our own. And, uh, and that's a sense of hope. That brings peace. That's not narrow-minded. That's not small-minded. It's kingdom-minded. And God's trying to do something through us. And uh, so we're going to get into that today. So guys, today um, we are right in the middle, uh, maybe kind of middle even to the tail end of um, our three weeks of our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And everyone's invited to be a part of that. I know like for some people, maybe that's new. It's not just like a dietary thing um, to try to cleanse your colon and drop a few pounds. It's a, no, it's a spiritual thing. You know, we, we, we remove things in our life that we, that we need and that we are used to taking up a significant portion of our time. We take that, those times to dedicate it to prayer, to, to Bible reading, uh, listen to worship music, kind of meditation on the Lord. And so we're doing that in this season because we're in a season of what we call legacy, which is an annual, uh, it's an annual thing here at Convo Church where we, we fast and pray for 21 days. And at the end, we come and we give a, a sacrificial legacy offering for the above and beyond vision things that we're going to tackle in the upcoming year. Last year, or last year, last week, we got to present those things. So if you missed it, um, go back to uh, our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash Convo Church. And just, and just watch that so you can kind of see the presentation. Uh, also, you can listen to our, our podcast on Spotify or iTunes. And so we want to make sure everyone's up to date. So we, we're trying our best this year to communicate as many ways as possible. So if you're, if you're front row, we had things in the seats. Uh, if you are second row back in the seat back in front of you, there are, there's information there about legacy and what we're looking to accomplish this year. And so today's always a very dangerous Sunday for me to get up and preach because it's the Sunday after I just went to the Awakened banquet. And um, so for those of you who don't know, Awaken is an organization in our region that um, is doing, I mean, what they're accomplishing, it's kind of hard to put an adequate adjective to describe how well they're doing and what they're doing. But they are here to end sex trafficking in our state. And, uh, and hopefully from, instead of Reno being, and uh, sorry to be graphic, but instead of our city being a destination sex city, that we become a safe city in our nation where people actually come to get away from and to find freedom. So, so we were there last night and got to listen to um, just incredible stories, testimonies of individuals who have been survivors and now in Jesus' name, thrivers, uh, out of that industry in our, in our city, guys. It's, it's one thing to be like, yeah, you know, Albania, you know, because taken movies and around the world. But, but when, it's, when you realize it's, it's your city and there are things happening in your home, that you can't even imagine, it gets personal. It needs to get personal. So, so I'm a little bit fired up because even what we, ha- even what we are pitching uh, for what we want to accomplish with you know, raising $250,000 and what we, specifically we want to do with that in the four lanes of legacy that are actually connected to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, um, I walk away from nights like last night, I'm like, 
we got to do more. <laughs> it's like this, like this goal is already going to blow our minds as a church, but we have to do more. This is our home. Um, we can't just sit back. So, so for me, it's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of stewardship, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you will, go ahead and open up your Bibles. So let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew is the, uh, the first book of the New Testament, uh, uh, the Gospel of Matthew is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So if you kind of look and you see Matthew in there. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 25. <clears throat> I marked my place. I cheated. You also got to find it. And we're going to read that. So when you get there, hold that place, hold that place for, for just a minute. Um, and again, kind of everything, actually, a little, little clue to everybody, what we talk on every week always builds on the week before. Absolutely every single time. So if you ever miss, just you know, take, take advantage of what we do to present uh, the messages and the content out there so that you can kind of see what God is, because we're not just, these aren't just messages to fill time. These are things that we believe that God is speaking prophetically through our church. And this, if this is your home, if this is your home church, then this is something that God is also speaking for you as well. So, uh, so we want to take advantage of that. But last week we talked about obedience being the master key that unlocks the things that God wants to do in and through your life. Like it starts with obedience, there's, there's no shortcuts, there's no workarounds. I, I know in our day and age, um, obedience is not everyone's favorite word. I know, you know, even in my house, I have kids. Obedience is not the top word that everybody loves in our house. When I was a kid, it wasn't my favorite word either. But it's, it's so beautiful to see through God's word how, how things open up because obedience isn't just a matter of doing what you're told. Obedience is a matter of faith. Obedience is actually a matter of love, and it begins to help us see God for who he actually is. So, so who, who here um, would love to have a, a promotion of some kind in your job or, or a job just to get a promotion, right? That would be, that would be fantastic. So um, it's, if you've ever received one before, uh, it, it's kind of fun, right? Because, you know, just kind of in the, in the stereotypical setting, your boss calls you in, asks you a few random questions to kind of get the conversation going, right? And, and then they start to talk about, hey, you know, you've done such a good job already with the, with the things that, uh, that we've given you to do. We'd actually like to offer you a new position that's going to have a little bit more responsibility. And, uh, and hopefully with that, an increase in pay, that'd be nice too, right? And, you know, so it's nice because you feel, you're like, all right, I've, they noticed me. They noticed hard work. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of fun to experience that. Um, but ultimately, when that does happen, what your employer is, is identifying and addressing is a matter of stewardship. They, they're identifying that they have seen you handling something that wasn't yours, but it was given to you to take care of. And you took care of it so well that they took notice of it and actually wanted to give you more things to take care of. Some people are like, you know what, if you could just do the raise and not the promotion, that'd be great too because that seems like a lot of work. And that's okay, but I think it's one thing for us to understand is that work, don't be afraid of work. You know, we, we, we live in a world where some people are afraid of that for some reason, but you got to understand that in most normal to healthy settings, more work equals people honoring how you have handled what's already been given to you. And so there's not too much different when we look at the kingdom of God. So, so here's, here's, what, uh, here's what the title of the message is today for all of our note takers. Uh, turn, turn to somebody next to you and say, you gotta work it. Is it worth it? Okay, no, no, stop, stop it, stop it. Only five people are gonna catch that anyway. <clears throat> okay, sorry. My wife's shaking her head at me already. 
You got to work it. All right. So that's, that's the thing. You got to work it. And so if you want that promotion, if you want that raise in your work, what you got to do, you got to work it. You got you to put to work what's been given to you. Okay. So, so let's give a definition to, to stewardship. I think that's important uh, so that we're all on the same page. Uh, stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. And so today as we talk about this, I want you to understand this is, this is your life we're talking about. Uh, everything that you are and everything that you have belongs, number one, to God. Absolutely everything. So we're talking about life. We're talking about breath. We're talking about health, family, children, marriage, your profession, your money, uh, uh, ministry, the calling that is on your life. All these things belong to God and he is, he is giving them to you and he's literally saying, I want to see what you're going to do with this. Now, don't mistake what we're talking about today as some type of works mentality to earn the favor of God. That's, that's not in Scripture. That's not how this works. But in the context of what God owns, he's looking for people who will steward what he owns. And to those who steward, without getting ahead of myself too far, those who steward well what God gives them, there's some good stuff for you. We're going to get into that. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and get, into, and get into Scripture, read a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 14 uh, through 30. The chapter is the big number. The verses are the little numbers. And, and in my Bible, these, are, these letters are in the color of red. So that tells us that Jesus is speaking. <clears throat> Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, somebody say entrusted. Okay, important word. Entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. I have that underlined in my Bible. It says, then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest. Somebody say invest. Somebody say, you got to work it. Okay. Began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Verse 19, it says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. And the servant who had, entrust, who had been entrusted with five bags came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And you understand the context right here. They are bringing it back too. They're not telling them how much they've earned. They're bringing it back to the master. Like, here you go. It's yours. <clears throat> the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more. We would love to see the word money right there, but it says responsibilities. <laughs> Interesting, right? And he says, let's celebrate together. So this was a celebration moment. And the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, well done. We want to hear this from God, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So at this point, you have to think that the, that the, the master was in good spirits. 
Like two out of two, he's feeling good. Here comes the third one, and they're pro- he's probably about to say the same thing, right? And so uh, the servant with one bag of silver came, and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, and you harvest crops that you didn't plant, and you gather crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here it, here it is back. Here's your, here's your one bag. But the master replied, you're like, this is harsh. No, just listen. We gotta, God's trying to say something here. He says, you, you wicked and lazy servant. Wow. Not quite so celebratory. It kind of went in a different direction. If you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank and at least I could have gotten some interest on it? He ordered, uh, and then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Our culture would say, that's not fair. Anyway, to, to those who you this is good. Here we go. This is stewardship. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. These are the words of Jesus. And they will have an abundance. And from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now go throw this useless servant into outer darkness, outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo, okay. All right, Jesus, we hear you. Um, Father, I, I pray for all of us. Um, Lord, help it. We, wanna, we wanna see what you're trying to say. Help us to have ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to perceive the things that you are speaking to us today. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. amen. So here's the deal. How, how you handle what God gives you now determines what God will give you next. We, you, you can't live in a reality that says, well, you know, God's good and he loves me and because, because he loves me, I'm just gonna, I, I know he wants to give me good gifts. He's a, this is scripture, right? We take it out of context. He's a good father and a good father that gives good gifts to his kids. And so we, we, wanna, we wanna dive in really quick to the intimate family relationship with God, but we're missing something before, before we get there. So, so clearly, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about money. And as I mentioned last week, money is actually the biggest topic that Jesus speaks about all throughout his earthly ministry. More than prayer, believe it or not, more than the kingdom of God, more than heaven and hell, he talks about money. So why? Well, because he knows the hearts of humanity. <laughs> he, knows, he knows what's gonna get our attention. He's like, we can talk about these you know, ethereal things and whatever, these ideas and concept, concepts, but just like, no, let's talk about money. You're like, well, you know, I'm kind of not comfortable with with that being talked about a lot in church. Well, we have to cut out a lot of scripture if that's the case, because there's something connected to money. And it's not your wallet or your bank account, it's your heart. So Jesus was notorious for not dealing with superficial elements. Jesus was notorious for just laser beam going straight to the heart. You read Old Testament, which the Old Testament was not done away with. Jesus just took it to another level in the New Testament time. The Old Testament dealt with, you know, like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are great. We, we, uh, we, still, we still frown upon murder, um, even though it's in the Ten Commandments. That has not been abolished. Still don't do it. Hopefully y'all are doing pretty good, at least at that one. So, um, so when we get into our times now, you know, Jesus even challenged people and said, hey, you, you've, you've heard it said, and the reason they've heard it said because they were raised in the Old Testament and the law. You've heard it said that if you are guilty of murder, then you will be put to death. We're like, wow, okay, capital punishment, it's in the Bible. Okay, well, uh, Jesus says, well, I tell you, even if you're guilty of being angry in your, in your heart at somebody, you're guilty of murder. 
And at that point, that's when we all either drop to our knees, ask for prayer, or we run for the hills, right? It's like, oh no, we're all guilty. We're all finding ourselves in a position where we are guilty of the things that, um, that we would maybe even judge other people as being guilty of. So when we, when we look in this context, that we got two primary characters in the parable that Jesus is teaching. The first one, and I, I call this person the king, the first one is the king. It doesn't say he's a king, but it's talking about the kingdom of heaven is like, and then it talks about a man or a ruler that goes off on a long journey. Well, this, this parable, Jesus is actually talking about himself because what was about to happen through his earthly ministry is that Jesus was about to go on a long trip. He was gonna go after he fulfilled his mission here on earth, he was returning back to heaven. So scripture teaches and tells us that there will come a day when Jesus will return. He will return and that will be the end of the age. That hasn't happened yet, just in case you're wondering. And so he's actually speaking of this time period where we are being everything that we have is a gift from God and he's asking people to steward while he's gone. Jesus even says the reason why he's gone is he's preparing a place in heaven for those who would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a very important detail. So we have the king and then we have the servants. So here's where, where it's important to understand stewardship before we get to the point where we're like, Jesus is just my friend and because, you know, because we're such, we're good homeboys, he just loves me, all he wants to do is bless me. Well, there's actually an order to relationship, especially when it comes to God. We have to understand first and foremost that Jesus is king. Now, I know in America we have a hard time understanding, like we look at all the crazy royalty stuff over in England, we're like, man, they're crazy, right? It doesn't make sense to us necessarily in the context. We love the stories, we love the tabloids, we love the drama, but we don't really get it because we're like, man, those crazy Brits, we don't even understand what they're doing, but it's fun to watch. But the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. The kingdom of heaven is not a republic. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that has a king and his name is Jesus. And so when we understand our relationship to God, the first thing we have to understand is that God is not just our friend and our homeboy and our BFF. He is first and foremost our king. And if we don't honor Jesus at first as king, we will never fully understand the relationship that he wants to have as a friend. People who don't honor authority in its proper context actually end up diminishing what the relationship could be because we sell short the dynamic of who we are being invited into a relationship with. I think I've heard somebody talk about it one time. It actually makes a really good point. We, we're, in, in American Christianity, we're really, really good at, at watering down the version of who God is. And here's why. Because it makes us feel less convicted about our sin. If, if we can paint a picture of Jesus as somebody who's hanging out with us and he's He's, you know, yeah, he wants us to do better, but, you know, when we mess up, you know what, it's okay, I love you anyway. That's not grace, by the way. Grace is actually God giving you what you don't deserve. Uh, and, and so when we get in that particular context, we have to understand who Jesus is first. Because yes, he does wanna be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But before he gets to that point, he's your king, he's your Lord. These are terms that we have to really learn how to uh, embrace in our culture because it challenges what's normal to us in our, you know, democratic republic. Like, we're not used to that. We're used to when we don't like somebody, we vote for somebody else the next time. Actually, no, we don't do that now. We, we file lawsuits and we try to kick people out that we, that we picked. Anyway, sorry, moving right along. Um, but in the kingdom of God, it ain't like that. It's like, Jesus, you're not keeping me happy. What you got left on your term? You got another two years left? I'll remember that next time you're up for re-election. No, there's no re-electing Jesus. He is King Jesus, right? 
And we are his, nobody wants to hear this, we are his servants. Now here's the deal, uh, let, me re- let me relate this to our own, uh, if you have kids, um, there, there's like, uh, eventually you want your kids to like you. <laughs> like, uh, when I, like one day, I hope that my kids are my best friends. Uh, but right now, I've got a job to do. My wife has a job to do, and it's not to be our kids' best friends. It is to love them unconditionally, but it is to lead them in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. Or, or even others, they will return back to what they've been taught. So, so at some point in time, yeah, I want to hang out with my kids in the context where they're not, you know, wondering if, if they do something wrong, they're going to get grounded or something like that. But there will come a time. So listen, parent, if you have young children, don't get, don't get pulled into that lie in our culture right now that your job is to, mm, is to feed your own insecurity about friendships and make your children your friends when you're supposed to be raising and parenting them. Okay. Uh, you know, all right. <clears throat> so so when, we, when we don't respect the authority of God, <laughs> we, we treat God almost like a little bit of a, you know, FWB. You know what I'm talking about? Friends with benefits. I'm, I'm trying to, or I'm trying. Like, I, I want this to hit. I'm not trying to punch nobody in the face this morning, but I want this to hit because how we relate to who God really is will determine us understanding how to walk out a relationship with God. Because friends with benefits means I'm in it as long as I'm getting what I want, but as long as when that dries up, I'm out. But that's how so many people treat a relationship with God because we don't know that God is our king. We think he's our friend who's here to do nothing but like look the other way when we're doing our stuff that we know we shouldn't do. He's here to just put his arm around us and say, hey, it's gonna be okay, I love you, here's some blessing. But when that dries up, or when we don't get from God what we think we deserve to get from God, we're like, well, I tried this whole God thing and it's not, I don't think it's for me. It's like, listen, you, whether it's for you or not, that doesn't change who God is. God's not up in heaven saying, dang it, okay, I guess I'm... Don't get to be God anymore because it didn't work out for that person. No, God is God. He is the king and the king doesn't bow to anybody. So that means that as his servants, we need to number one, recognize who God is and relate to him in that context. And as we begin to steward the things that God gives us to steward, guess what happens to the relationship? It becomes more intimate. It becomes more trusting. It grows. And so again, we want to understand the tension and the balance. This isn't about prove yourself to God, make him happy, and eventually he'll invite you in. No, that's, that's, a, that's a works-based mentality, and that's not how God operates. But we have a responsibility to honor God for who he is. Jesus is our king, okay? So uh, even, even in the Old Testament, when God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, he, he described his identity to Moses. He says, Yahweh, which was, which was his name. It was that Hebrew word that actually they had to invent a spelling because there wasn't actually a spelling in the Hebrew language for that word to describe the nature of who God is. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He goes, I am slow to anger. That's great. That's good news. That's good news for me. I don't know about you. And filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations, I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. 
I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Now understand the context here. God lavishes love. Another verse that actually talks about he lavishes the love on a thousand generations of those who love him. So a thousand generations, that's generous. When there's things that aren't dealt with within an individual, those can be passed on up to four generations. Even in that, I'm like, God, if you are who you are, you deserve to do a thousand generations over here too, right? But he's like, no, that's, I'm gracious. I am, I am forgiving. I am compassionate. And that's why even on the side, note, it's so important as you raise children, how this turned into a parenting seminar, as you're raising children to realize things that you don't deal with in your life will get passed on to your kids. And that's not, you know, it was like, and it gets referred to as a generational curse, but I know people get weird with that word curse. And it's like, woo, you know, to my kids. And that's not really what it's about. It just means that what you have refused to deal with before the Lord, somebody else is going to have to deal with. Which is why you see generations of, uh, of men um, not knowing how to take care of their wife because it started with somebody and it was never dealt with. That's why you see people addicted to pornography and their kids end up struggling and their kids end up struggling. That's why you see people when they, who are stuck in poverty and they don't deal with the root issues of what is causing it and it gets passed on from generation to generation. That's not God's judgment. That's just the seed of somebody not dealing with what God is trying to get at in their life. So we see the king leaves and he entrusts to his servants money. And we see the, he gives to one according to their abilities. So this is where it gets dangerous for you because you may look at somebody else's bag of silver. You say, how come he got five bags of silver and I only got two? Or how come I only got one bag of silver? So scripture tells us that comparison is a destiny killer. It says it's not wise. Other translations actually use the word stupid. Like easy, okay, step on my toes. You know, it's like when you compare yourself among yourself, it is not wise because the other person is not the standard of what God's trying to do in you. So, so when he says, according to your own abilities, he's actually referring to how you have previously handled what had already been given to you. So to the person who had five, clearly they had been faithful with at least what was equivalent to that, same with the two bags of silver and the one bag of silver. What we have to understand through this scripture and this teaching is that it was not saying that the person with five bags was better than two and the person with two bags is better than somebody with one. God was asking all of them to do the very same thing, which was steward what he had given them. There wasn't a deeper responsibility on the person with five bags as there was on the person with one bag of silver. They all had the same assignment. They all had the same um, responsibility. So here, here are some observations I kind of pulled from this text. Number one, your money is not your money, right? It applies to everything, but Jesus specifically is talking about money. Your money is not your money. Everything belongs to God. Here's the second thing I pulled out of this. Faith and obedience are the things that put to work, right? You got to work it. Faith and obedience are the things that put to work what God has given you. And here's the opposite. Fear and laziness causes you to bury what God entrusted to you. It even said the, the, the servant that had the one bag of silver, he says, I was afraid. You're like, aren't you supposed to like fear the Lord? Like, nope, wrong fear. <laughs> fear of the Lord actually leads you to do the things God's asking you to do. Fear of, and that shows you that that servant didn't really know his master. Because if he did, and he even described him, well, you know, you harvest where you don't plan and when you don't call to, you know, all these things. He knew of his master, but he didn't have a relationship. The other two showed they had a relationship by how they handled what God gave them. 
Fear and laziness causes you to bury what God entrusts to you. And here's the thing. The king, King Jesus, will demand an account one day from every single one of us. And sometimes that happens when our life is over, and sometimes that happens throughout stages of our life where God checks in and he wants to know, hey, you, uh, you, you know, a year ago you didn't have a job and you prayed that God would give you a job, and hey, I gave you a job, and uh, all I hear from you now is complaining about the job that I blessed you with. Woo! <laughs> Faithful servants will be given more responsibility. And I kind of joke when we read that, it's like, and to the one who they were given more money. No, it's like, no, they were given more responsibility. Because in, in, in the real, in the kingdom of God, I was going to say in the real world, and I look around, I was like, nope, that doesn't happen. In the kingdom of God, the greatest promotion you can actually get is the weight of more responsibility. Some people are like, I don't want to do more, I just want to make more. Like, well, if you want to make more, then do more. <laughs> you know, it doesn't kind of, and, and, and even right now, let me, let me just throw this out there, Okay. Um, and and take, this, take this with as much grace as possible. Scripture teaches us that if you are an able-bodied person, you should have a job. Amen. So uh, right now, we're in a situation where people are being paid to stay at home. And I get where it came from. We had a season. Something happened a little while ago. I don't know. Um, and where it, for, for many people, it was even even dangerous or even unknown if it was dangerous, right? So there was things going on, right? But right now we find ourselves in a situation where it's no longer necessarily about the black and white nature of safety. Now it's about, well, I'm actually making more if I don't work. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to get into where that's coming from politically. What I'm trying to hit on is the fact that you have a responsibility to be a good steward. It's not about how you can make the system work. It's about how you can honor your king. And so, like, for, for example, there, there's somebody in our church who, who works as a pharmaceutical buyer to get medicine for people who are battling cancer. And, and recently, this individual told us that, that their job has become so over-the-top stressful because they can't find the drugs to be delivered because people aren't working their jobs who do the delivery of these drugs. And in, many, in some cases, there are people who, who there are people who who are not getting life-saving medication, not because it's not available, not because it's sitting in a tanker offshore somewhere just chilling, but because there's not somebody to transport the medication that people need. Like there is a, you know, when it comes to our comfort and our own personal decisions, there are ripple effects to other people. And so that's a big part. We have to understand that, that a faithful servant will be given more responsibility. God's asking us to work it, okay? And so that, that could apply to your own situation. And so for those who are not able-bodied, that's why we have amazing systems in place to help people who don't have the ability to do the things where they would be able to survive on their own. And that's fantastic. That's what it's for. But if you can work it, then get up and work it. Every building in our city has a sign in a window, and they're looking for people to work. That's, that's a side, little side note. So, so here's the deal. Jesus got real with his verbiage at the end of this because the, the fearful servant was called lazy and was called wicked. You're like, dang, Jesus, where's the grace? <laughs> I thought you were all about grace and mercy and love and like cotton candy and, and just all the things that make me feel good about myself. He's like, well, here, here's what God wants you to know. His love for you doesn't change when he disagrees with you. Another thing that we have to combat in our culture is that if you disagree with me, then you can't love me. Well, that's, that's not true. Because we've redefined, we've redefined in a very 
disproportionate way what love is. And so now was all, love is all about, it's, it's been turned into nothing but a selfish thing. Love serves me, and if you disagree with me, then there's no way that you can love me. And that's just not true, because when I was growing up, my parents disagreed with me a lot. And I'm pretty sure now, looking back on it, they loved me through the entire thing. So, so that those two things can't be true if it's sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. So God's going to continue. He's never going to stop loving you. Like on your worst day, when you were being the worst steward possible, that's how Jesus saw you when he went to the cross for you. He chose to go to the cross for you, not on your best day, but seeing you in your worst possible moment. He saw you as a son and a daughter. He saw you as the one who was created in his image. He saw the one that he said, before you were born, I knew you, and I've given you a purpose and a hope and a destiny. That's the person, that the, that's how he sees you. But when it comes to the things that God wants to give you, it's about stewardship. So the reward of stewardship is more responsibility, more to steward over. And, and I can't tell you, there's no greater honor in the kingdom of God than the Lord looking at you, not just at the end of life, but during this life and say, hey, well done, well done. I know you're hard on yourself. It didn't go perfectly. You may, maybe you could have chosen a hundred different ways how this would have worked out, but I'm proud of you because you're working hard and you're, 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 you're doing everything you can to steward what I've given you to steward. Here's the cool thing, like on our own, guys, we're not going to do well. <laughs> we're, just, we're just not. That's where the grace of God comes in because he comes in to walk alongside us. So it's funny, you ever, ever seen that, like that old thing, you know, footprints in the sand? You ever, like, it's like, you know, you, it's a, I think, I guess it's a poem, so I'm, I'm totally butchering it. And I apologize to whoever the author was of that. But, it's, you know, it's footprints. And it's this, this story of, like, of, of just one set of footprints in the sand. And it's this kind of thing of, you know, God, where were you during the worst, hardest parts of my life? And, and there's only one pair of footprints in the sand. And, you know, and the, the author kind of spins it back and says, those were my footprints, actually. I was carrying you through it. And, and so that, that's when we look at those moments of life where we're like, God, where were you? Like, this could have gone way better if you really loved me. And I think God's response is, are you still breathing? Is there still blood pumping through your heart? Are you still alive? If, if, you, if that's the case, that's because it wasn't you that was walking through that season. Those are my footprints. I was carrying you through that season. Just because life got hard, and I know for many people here, like that's got that's different, different definitions for you, right? And, and different scenarios, things that you have been through. But you got to understand, you weren't alone. Jesus was right there. Like, if he was there, how, then why did he let it happen? Time will tell. Time will tell. Because so many people who have gotten on the other side of the hell that you walked through, you've looked back now. And you've seen, I, I get it now. I see what God was doing. Because the very thing that God was setting you up for, the people that you will help, the people that you will minister to, the way that you will be able to impact the next generation because you encountered God and he healed you from the abuse that you went through, yeah, it's going to make sense one day. Right now it just hurts. But I'm telling you, don't you dare quit. Don't give up. Don't you give up. God is with you. He's walking with you. He's carrying you through it. There's a generation that's going to need to hear the testimony of what God brought you through. But listen, God is faithful. And uh, listen, when it comes to, so just start, start working what you got in your hand. Okay, in the church context, man, be faithful at church. Start serving. Doesn't matter. You're like, well, you know, when it's when I get my opportunity with the microphone, that's when I'll be ready to go. Like, no, start in the parking lot. Start in the parking lot smiling at people, helping people find a parking space. Like they can find their own parking space. That's not the point. 
The point is that we're trying to create personal connections with people so that they can experience the love of God more than just from preaching or music or some prayer ministry. Like we can minister to people through a good morning and through a smile just as well as we can minister to people through the preaching of the word of God. So, so I want you to understand context. So my wife and I, I mean, before we met, we, we grew up being taught how to serve in the church. When we got married, and even at the point where God spoke to both of us that God was calling us to plant a church, for the next 11 years, we continued to serve the vision of other leaders faithfully. We stewarded well, and I say this not false humility, but I say it's not humility because it's by the grace of God. We stewarded well in other people's fields. So don't think, that, well, when I get to be the dude who's got the five bags of silver, I'll really show up. I mean, I, I mean, he, he, he doubled it. I could probably get that on Bitcoin, quadruple it or something like that, you know. Be bringing back truckloads of silver for the master. No, stop comparing yourself to what you would do when eventually you get something that you think is valuable. Because what you have right now is of value. So work the one bag of silver. Work greeting people in the, in, the, in, the, in the parking lot. Work serving our kids, which actually is more like a 20 bag of silver type of situation over there. Like work those things. Work being faithful, getting up in the morning 30 minutes before you normally would and opening up the word of God or the YouVersion Bible app, reading one verse or a few or a chapter, uh, taking a couple of minutes to just have a conversation with God. Work that and see what God does with it. Men, steward over your wives. Wake up, realize that your wife is a treasure. Steward over that. If you have children, realize scripture tells us they are a gift from God. Steward your children. If you have a job, remember, you may not like it now, but it's the one that you were praying for a year ago. So be grateful for where you are and realize, okay, I'm not gonna complain about my boss anymore. I'm not gonna gossip about the lady that I don't like anymore. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna you, know, you know, talk smack about the dude that keeps parking in my parking spot. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a steward of where God has placed me and I'm gonna present it to the Lord as an offering. So right now as we, uh, and Mo, come on up, we'll, we'll land this plane here. We, as we get into this, this season of legacy, we've, we, we need everybody to be on board with how, how you're going to steward the things that God has given you. And so we're, we are, you know, and again, I'm still fired up from, from last night being at the, at the Awaken banquet. Uh, but the reality is, is that what we have in our capacity to do for the Lord is far greater than what we think. And I mean that collectively. You know, we look at a target goal like, hey, we want to raise $250,000. And some of you are like, yay, you know, you know, four or five claps, you know, <laughs> you know, and then, but I know there's other people like, I, I wouldn't even be able to drop in the bucket to that. Like that dude had one bag of silver. I'm looking for one penny in a, in a container that I, or something I can find on the sidewalk. Again, it, it equal, it's not equal giving. It's always equal sacrifice. So when you look at the servant with five bags of silver, the one with two bags of silver, the one with one bag of silver, their responsibility to steward the finances God gave them was an equal responsibility. It took equal sacrifice to steward. It took equal, equal effort to, 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 make, uh, to, to, to work the things that the master had given them. And so when we look at that, and we even look at, because last week we, we put out just kind of some, um, just to, to help people visualize the process, like, you know, how is it even possible for us to, to accomplish this goal of $250,000? And again, if you miss the details of like what we want to sew that into, then, then go back and, and look it up because we want everybody to know that. Plus it's in the, in the literature that we have in the seat bags and all that type of stuff. But, but, but here's the thing, like if we look at 
um, what we can do together and even stretching ourselves a little bit, I actually think God's gonna blow our minds with what we're able to accomplish. So we put 250,000 as the goal. If we, had, if we had 10 visionary givers, if we had 12 pioneer givers, if we have 16 strategic givers, 25 core givers, 50 foundational givers, then we would reach, we would reach our goal. And I think the process is as we wrap up this last week of prayer and fasting, and also like Tuesday night, if you're not in a crew, Tuesday night at six o'clock, we, we meet right here and we pray. We actually do that every week, throwing it out there. Um, but for the last week of prayer and fasting, like if you've, if, you've got, if you've got an hour, come hang out with us. We're just gonna pray. And, and ask God, where, where, do you, where are you challenging me on, on those levels? Where do you want me? And God's gonna make it clear. And if it doesn't make your hand sweat, then it's probably, <laughs> that's just how it works for me. God's like, that's where I want you to sacrifice. I'm like, sweaty hands. Are you sure, God? You sure about that? I'm sure I'm not just, you know, feeling, you know, super energetic. I don't know. God's, um, God's going to do amazing things. But listen, God wants everything that you have. And he, he wants you to trust him with what he's given you. Because I'm telling you, this isn't some, like, prosperity gospel thing. Work hard and God's going to give you a mansion. That's not, that's not what, what this is about. Because when God blesses you, he may bless you financially. But he also may bless you in your relationships. He also may bless you in your job. He also may bless you in your family. He may bless you in your health. Like this is, that's for God to decide how he wants to bless you. This isn't some, some spiritual stock market. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. I hate it when people do that because that's not in the Bible. But we wanna be a part of the legacy of God. And we're gonna say, yes, we wanna be the people who stand before God one day in this life or in the life to come to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, at that point, what he's going to say? Enter into your rest. Rest will come. Right now, let's get to work. Let's work it. Let's work what God's given us and see what God does with it. Let me pray for you. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at ComboChurch. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.